You made it perfect. I'm not even on air yet. I'm about to go on. Have a seat. You don't have to close that all the way. That's fine. Come and have a seat here. Okay. Thank you for making it. I'm so glad you were. I took down some notes based on our earlier conversation. All right, she's getting ready to go off, and I'm going on. And a resounding good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Barbara Streisand. Oh, what an amazing voice. What an amazing woman she is. And thank you so much for staying tuned in. You're listening to WHGE 95.3 FM, your one and only Black-owned, Black-operated news information station in the state of Delaware. And I'm Rochelle Wilson for Make Some Intelligent Noise, Wednesday's Political Power Hour. I do have with me an amazing guest here in the studio. So I want you to stay tuned in for Mr. James Taylor. Mr. James Taylor is going to give us the 411 on what's happening in politics today here in Wilmington, uh, in the state of Delaware. But first, I've got to get through one or two quick announcements. It is my job, and I must let you know uh, that the Eastside Pride Help Desk, every Wednesday... From 1 p.m. until 3 p.m., all are welcome. If there's something that we can help you do, we want to be of assistance. Consider us as a resource for all of your needs. Just stop in any Wednesday from 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. And let's see what we can do to help you. Also, as we have all mentioned, if you or someone you love is dealing with an addiction, and addictions can range from uh, everything, from sexual addiction to drug addiction, alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, and the list just goes on. If you or someone that you care about is dealing with that, we're asking you, if you're living here or you're near the east side, please let East Side Pride and Central Baptist Church help you to recover from addiction. Every Tuesday night, 6.45 p.m. until approximately 8, we are here at Central Baptist Church, 9th and Pine Street. All are welcome. Come in, sit down, have a cup of coffee, engage in a conversation, and let's begin the process of healing your addiction. And also, uh, we wanted to make sure that you were aware of the, there is a concert that's coming up, a jazz concert, Delaware Loves Jazz. Uh, the concert, it's a fundraiser for Zeta Phi Beta Sorority and the Epsilon Rho Zeta Chapter. That's August 6, 2022. Uh, tickets are $40. And we do ask uh, that if you're interested, for more information, contact Wayne. Wayne Roy Jr. at 302-377-0835-377-0835. Mr. Wayne Roy Jr. will help you acquire the tickets so that you can participate in the Delaware Loves Jazz Festival. Thank you so much 
for staying tuned in. Now, as we engage in politics in Delaware, let's dive right in. First, beginning with welcoming my friend and yours, candidate for the state house, all right, representative, uh, Mr. James Taylor. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I am well, ecstatic that you're here. Uh, and excited to engage you in a conversation. Now, I know some of the things that we were talking about over the phone, <laughs> we have to, you yeah. know, navigate through those conversations, but let's tell the people as much as we can tell them. But first, introduce yourself. Who are you, and why are you running for a political position? So, thanks for the invitation. Um, my name is James Taylor. I am a Delaware native, born and raised, except for the few years that I was away doing my academic work in college. So my mom actually rented a house around the corner from here on Kirkwood. So I, you know, I lived over, I've lived on the east side about half my life, because before that we were over on French Street. Um, prior to that though, we came up over on the west side. I came up through the Red Clay School District. And um, from there, you know, being over there, being in, having my family work at Hilltop, come up through there, coming up under Mr. Street, you know, I got the, the activism early and I got it honest. And so my family was always giving back and it was natural to do so. I'm a more, I'm more of a behind the scenes person though. And so I never thought that I would be out here running for office because, you know, we've, we've kind of seen the political class and what that can look like what doesn't always happen, what usually happens. And like most people, I didn't want to be a part of or even be associated with that. So the activism got me into public policy, right? I came back from the Berkeley College of Music where I did my undergraduate degree. And I wanted those kids to have some of the same experiences I had. And I figured, you know, I'm not the smartest cat. I just put my head down and stayed on the path and you know people invested so let's make sure that that's happening for kids and to this day that's my north star from there you know i went and i worked at the urban league got my achievement matter shirt on now where i was doing college access for our, our black kids majority from the east side um we didn't have the reach that i thought we should have and so i became a social worker i, I got to see all the craziness that goes on you know, at that level as well. And so from there, I became a community organizer. Um, one of the big things that I worked on now, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about because a lot of my platform is around housing, was the blight bill and getting uh -huh. that stopped. So we, you know, we got that stopped and I went off and did my master's degree in international economics and international relations at Johns Hopkins University. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. I like that. I mean, the names are nice. A master's right. in economics at Johns Hopkins, right? Well, the, the important thing, the, the important thing isn't so much the name, it's the ability to, that it gives you to see through the nonsense, mm. you know, and to hear the foolishness when, when it, when it, when it comes across, your ear perks up. It's like, wait, that's not right. So, so let's get right into into that. I want to ask you, and you can include that answer into this. Uh, so, I want to talk about some of the nonsense. You know, one of the things that I've been doing here on the Political Power Hour, different than the way I've done it in the years before, uh, is I'm actually teaching. 
Right. The, the beginning of politics, I, I talked to some people in the street and they didn't understand what certain things meant. Right. And you know what? I didn't either. Right. So I said, if I don't understand it, they don't understand it. How are we going to vote intelligently right. if we don't understand the, the meaning of politics and where it came from? So let's get into constitutional, republic, Democrat, Republic, <laughs> and then move into uh, why, why are you running? Like, obviously there's a lot of things going on, right. but what was that fire that someone put to your backside that made you throw your hat in the ring? So. And you're a Democrat. I'm a Democrat, yeah. Okay. I'm a, and like, you know. There's an old saying that I forget the I forget who it was at the NAACP who used to say it all the time. Black people have no permanent friends or no permanent enemies, just permanent interests. And so, you know, to answer your question, is those permanent interests not being taken care of that caused me to jump in and say I need to put my hand to the till because, like, you know, the generation before us is 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 off. A few ticks. They might be losing a step or two. And so, you know, I came back from Hopkins, um, first came back from Italy, and I got got hurt, which is like why I'm hobbling a little bit, tearing my knees up, knocking on all these people's doors. But because <laughs> you're in the canvas stage yeah, right now. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm I was laid up and I was watching everything happen. And so, you know, George Floyd was murdered and the babies rioted. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm listening. The babies rioted, and I said, "Well, that means that these—that means that defunding of our programs has gotten to a point, or management of these programs, or both, has gotten to a point where children don't feel safe. They don't feel like they can go and talk to somebody and be heard. So now they're out in the street breaking things, and I, uh, mostly each other. That too. <laughs> that too. And so I looked and I said, "I, you know." We, there might still be hope. And then I started circling back to some of the folks that I did community organizing with, and they started making me aware of some of the votes that were coming down. Um, I think one of the ones that a lot of people saw and didn't really understand was the marijuana vote. Mm -hmm. That, you know, they, the, the conversation in the chamber was around whether or not it was a gateway drug, whether or not kids should get to it, and rightly so. But behind the scenes, what that was really about was the fact that judges won't give police officers warrants a good, a good amount of the time because the cases are flimsy. And so when the judge won't give you a warrant, you can't search unless you have a reasonable suspicion that another crime is in, in place. And so if you can walk up to the car under a pretext, you know, stop the car, say, well, your, your tag was expired or your light was out and asked to search the car and they say no and you can say that you just smell marijuana, problem solved. And, you know, the, the Speaker of the House is a police officer. My uh, opponent... Pete, Pete Schwartzkopf. Pete Schwartzkopf, yeah. My opponent is, is tight with him. And so, like, you know... Your opponent is uh, Stephanie Bolden. That's correct. And she is the... She's the founder of the Black Caucus. She's right. been around... No, no offense, we love her, right? But she's been around for 100 years. Uh, <laughs> and, and again, we love her. We love her wisdom. We need wisdom, you do. But you also need some fresh, young, new right. talent 
uh, coming right. in there. So she and Pete Swartzkopf obviously oh, yeah. have developed a relationship. We'll call it that. Yeah. Uh, so she supports him. He supports her, and they kind of work together in supporting each other. <laughs> yeah. And that's it, not always a good thing. That's putting it mildly too. Yes, I am putting it mildly that's on it radio. Very mildly. <laughs> I, I've spoken to a few legislators at the city council and you know at the at the state level who have basically said you know if she doesn't want it getting done it doesn't get done and she will enforce it not getting done and so well being the founder of the black caucus and some of the strongest advocates that we have are on the black caucus right if she you know sends poop downhill right. and tells them i don't want this to happen you know, that's kind of like uh, buying people, isn't it? Or, or bullying people? Buy them or bully them? You know, I, I'll just put it this way. It makes one wonder what we might have gotten accomplished already if that dynamic weren't in place. And so that's why I'm running. You know, like I've been telling folks, I grew up during that time when we had this sort of gold standard city council. You know, you had... You had J Street, you had Penrose Hollins, you had uh, Norm Griffiths, you had Stephanie Bolden, Kevin Kelly, like it was truly something to see. And at that time, you know, these guys were, they had their finger on the pulse and they understood what was going on and the things they were saying made sense, but times have changed. And like, you know, everyone ages out. Like we saw Michael Jordan miss the dunk in the All-Star game. So like, like, who it, does that? Michael Jordan? It, it just goes to show it literally can happen to anybody. The, yes. It can happen to the greatest. And so, yeah. like, at some point, you need to know when to sit down because, like that that situation illustrates, you'll write a chapter in your story that people won't want to talk about. And, yeah. like, that's the we talk about that, you know, basketball fans all the time. Who's the greatest? Michael LeBron. They'd be like, well... It's Mike. They'd be like, yeah, but them two years on the Wizards. Right. And that, that's what Stephanie's doing to herself right now. This is about to be her two years on the Wizards. Yeah. If I can't help her retire in this So, this So maybe if I can paraphrase it in a nice way, uh, I want to be nice and I want to be respectful, but I got to be truthful because that's my job as a journalist is to be honest and transparent and truthful. She has done amazing things in her years Truly. there. Truly amazing. Truly. She has been a trail blazer. But I love the way you say it so gracefully, uh, age out. There comes a point when you get old and, and stuffy <laughs> and, you know, hey, I'm a journalist. You know what I mean? And I have my own set of viewpoints and, right. and beliefs and things like that. So maybe that would uh, slightly taint some of my journalism. The new people that are coming in. They're all with all the new stuff and all the everything that's happening. So aging out means give the wisdom, pass the baton to the next generation. Right. That's the way I see it. But I want to dovetail off of something you said. Uh, so the policeman, law enforcement, pulls me over for a, a alleged uh, light out, a light is out, gets to my car and tells me he smells marijuana. And that's enough reason for him now search and seizure. Yeah. Now, now we're going back to the Constitution. I believe that's the yeah, fourth the or fourth amendment. fourth amendment. Fourth. It's the Fourth Amendment incorporated to the states through the Fourteenth. Yes. Okay. So now you can search and seizure me, my car, my whatever. You find no marijuana, but you've already caused me so much drama yes. in my life. 
for all different kinds of reasons. Right. That uh, it's it's just like you could have been out catching the rapist or the murderer while you were telling me you smelt marijuana and there was never any marijuana in my car. And and honestly, James, I've never heard of anyone smoking marijuana and ri and driving airplanes into buildings. You know what I mean? Like alcohol, people get drunk right. and kill each other on the road. Right. But it's legal. Right. But we smoke marijuana, and they call it the gateway drug. And you know what it really comes down to? Who's using it? Fiat, paper, money. Yeah. Who can we tax? Can we tax it so that the state can get the right amount of revenue? Uh, I was talking with your friend and mine that was saying, uh, J.J. Francis. Uh, my man, J.J. I love, we love J.J., right? J.J. was explaining to me, it comes out, it's pretty clear and simple. All of these dispensaries that are now popping up. Ain't none, ain't none of us running them. Ain't none of us running them. Other people are running them, but no one that looks like you and I. Right. And for those on the radio, by now you should know I am a brown-hued woman, and my guest today is definitely a brown-hued man. So all of these pop-up dispensaries, people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but none of them look like us. And there's something wrong with that. If I might interject here. Please do. You know, we would have, when this came through the GA, they split the, the marijuana legislation in two pieces because it failed originally. Speak they, up, speak up. They, it came through the GA as one bill that failed, and so they split it into two pieces, outright legalization and taxation. <laughs> the taxation passed. So it's legal if you get it through a dispensary, even though they're still harassing people that have the cards. But the legalization bit failed. And this is why everyone that's in the know is like, yeah, we know what this is about. You know what I mean? Y'all could have overrode that veto, but we know what this is really about. And every one of our, if you want to call them that, for lack of a better word of what everyone understands, drug dealers, right? right. The drug dealers, the brothers and the, the Latin Americans, all of these people who are posted up, Selling outside, it yeah. right on the outside, they're they're mathematicians because they know how much is coming in and how much is going out. And the ones, the ones who don't have a, a prescription pad, yes, because they're drug dealers too. But somehow that gets treated completely differently, the same way that crack cocaine got treated differently than powdered cocaine. Yes. Because you know. crack cocaine was in black and brown neighborhoods, Latin American neighborhoods, while cocaine was out in our rich white neighborhoods. And lest, lest we forget, you know, crack cocaine was ignored by the Reagan administration when the money was going to the Contras. And so, you know, these are the things that, you know, to pivot back that, like, my degree allowed me to focus on. And, like, you know, when you're down there, advisors on my campaign right now are professors that I had who worked for Obama in his Treasury Department. One actually circled back to the Biden administration. He's in there now and has helped shape some of the sanctions that we used against Russia. I actually took the class on how he did it. And, like, I'm watching him do it now. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I see, said the blind man. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so, like, you know, when you look at this stuff, you know, I, I, take, I take a completely different perspective on... Uh, think global, act local. I look at the macroeconomic patterns and how those things are going to affect us, and that's another thing that caused me to jump into this race. You know, I worked for Senator Coons um, 
because like JJ hooked me up when I was in grad school. You know, it's the it's the I call it the Black Illuminati connect. You can't talk about that on the radio. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> but, uh, so what is what is what are like? Obviously, housing is one of your passions. Yes. But if we all vote you and elect you into the seat, um, what would be one of the first things that you would want to address? So one of the first things that I would do is, you know, I would be trying, well, I should say that I'm running as a part of a slate, and if we all get on, we're going to flip the House leadership. So I would be looking to get on one of the committees that, that handles the budget because we need oversight of that. And, like, what I'm telling a lot of people an or an example I'm sharing with people when I'm out knocking doors is the Frawley Stadium debacle. Right. We gave three point four million dollars to fix Frawley Stadium. We gave three point three million dollars to in the in like the official budget. Of course, there are things in like uh, in, in another area because the budget is actually four bills. But in the proper budget, we gave three point three million dollars to fix the the seven or eight uh, retirement apartment buildings that the state gives funding to. So someone down there writing the budget thought that our commitment to the furtherance of minor league baseball was $100,000 more important than our seniors. So that's one of the first things that I would provide some oversight to that process. The next thing that, that I would do is, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because it's, it's this late in the campaign. I would, I would be either expanding the, the power of the public advocate or trying to create an office of the public underwriter. Because when you buy a house, you know, and you take it, you go and get the loan and you take it to the bank, there's an underwriter that's independent that looks and says, yeah, no, I don't think that house is worth that. We're not going to pay for that, i.e. you're not going to pay for that. There's nothing like that when you're a renter. And so what we, you have the situation we have up on Market Street right now where you have people developing and they throw a facade up on something. They go in, put in some shiny fixtures that anybody could get from the hardware store, jack the price up three times, and someone, a renter, has to just deal with it. I talked to, I talked to uh, a constituent last night down in Evergreen, and they told me, she told me they're trying to raise her rent $70. Mind you, $70 could be the difference of whether she can keep car insurance and food on the table. Precisely. $70 is a lot of money when you're struggling, when you're trying to make it. Yeah. And we're all post-COVID or whatever, COVID, right? So well, we're trying to survive. But the federal government has given X amount of dollars to every state, particularly some here to the state of Delaware, right. uh, for people who are trying to get back up and stand up on their feet. Your water bill, uh, I, I know, it. yes, your water bill, you can go right to Rose Hill Community Center yeah. and get some assistance for your water bill with the city of Wilmington. Catholic Charities is helping people with their electricity bill. All of this is federal money. The ARPA money. The, yes. Yeah, and like, that's the problem. Like, because there's no, no oversight and the people that we elect based on the fact that our grandmother knew them or they were good 20 years ago, these aren't people that are trained in, in economics and public policy. These are people like my opponent. They're retired school teachers. 
But like, you know, reading about Piaget doesn't prepare you to deal with the effects of China's second COVID outbreak and what that's going to do in terms of, uh, in terms of inflation, you know, doesn't prepare you for that. Yeah. I, like I, I tell, I told one of my little brothers, I think I said, you know, she went to school for being a teacher. I went to school for fixing our community. Yes. That's literally the difference. Yes. And like, you know, well, we're going to give her some credit. She went, she, you know, she went to school to learn how to work with kids. Right. And that's a big part of fixing our community is it working is. with our children. That's very important. Yeah, no question. But she has stepped far away from, from that. From that, that area. And yes. had to learn her own, on her own, how to do politics and be a politician. And there's only, you know, I work at the state, you know what I mean? And like, we're big on on-the-job training. I can tell you firsthand, there's only so far that on-the-job training goes you have to supplement that with some more formal things. Knowledge, like where yeah. that where that doesn't exist, you'll be you'll be dealing with things that like are, are not in your belly with. And so like, you know, I like what I tell older folks on the doors is your generation paved the way for me. You said keep your head down, focus on books, get to college, get the, the knowledge and some money, come back and help us build. Yes. And you 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 set up the situation so that I can do that. I've done that and I'm trying to I'm trying to do the last part of it now. Yes, which That's, is to build. Yeah. And and you are the technically you are the younger generation when you compare you and Stephanie yeah. Bolden to each other. You are her uh, you know, the younger generation. Yeah. And as much as I realize, you know, when you, once you get in a seat, you don't want anybody to come along and take it away from you. Uh, that's the thing about us as we age out, as you say. You know, I would rather teach a young person how to be a journalist mm -hmm. than to have some young hippie journalist walk in here and try to take my seat. And they right. have no knowledge of how to get behind a microphone and do the things that right. have to be done. So right. teach. So well, if Stephanie would teach you and pass the baton and share with you, you could continue her legacy in your own skin. Well, and that's that's the thing, you know, like I've had folks be like, well, reach out and make the call. And I'm like, yo, I saw the way that she talked to the kids when they came down there trying to educate all of the legislators on some of the downstream effects of the votes they were taking. And I was like, I don't know if that conversation would go anywhere. And unfortunately, you know, it's kind of lore in this this area of the city. There are stories. When I'm out on the doors, I, I hear some very problematic and troubling stories about, you know, the, the great and powerful Stephanie T. Bolden. And so I'm like, you know, so that I don't ever dishonor my elders. Because, like, I, when I was younger, I was a bit more radical. I might have flew off the handle a little bit. But now I just, I just avoid certain situations. So I'm like, you know what? My mom taught me to respect my elders, and if that means I got to avoid the situation to keep doing that, that's what it is. Well, you know, I, I'm not a politician, and, and people have said things to me about I should be, and, and I'm not interested in that sort <laughs> of thing. I wasn't either, honestly. I'm really not interested. I'm interested in making change, but right. I'd rather get behind a politician uh, like Melissa Minor Brown. Like, I believe yeah. in her. So I'll get behind her and advocate for whatever she's advocating for, because I know she's advocating for something right. good. Right. I'd rather do that than be a politician. But one thing I've learned about politicians and politics and 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 Pete Schwartzkopf, you know, I'm offended by something he said. And yet it's, it makes a good point. My sources told me 
I have a secret source that told me that Pete Schwartzkopf made a statement uh, when we talked about Kathy McGinnis, uh, that she's up for indictment and potentially she's going to be arrested and incarcerated uh, for mishandling of money, of funds, of Delaware State funds. Yes. And so she's running against... But yet she's putting her hat in to run against, I believe her name is Lydia York. Yes. And Pete Schwartzkopf, when questioned, he's the Speaker of the House, and when questioned about it, his response was, this is political theater. This is not about justice. It's about political theater. I'm frustrated with that, but I do realize politicians have to be able to, to do that commingling thing where they have those backdoor conversations and rub each other's back. If you vote for me, this, I'll vote for your policy, that. Like, you got to be able to have relationships and work together in order to get certain bills passed. Well, that's true. Can you rub shoulders and hobnob with, uh, with folks? So, luckily, I have sort of, like, created a brand for myself. You know, like in the same way that Mr. Street has created a brand for himself. Yes, he has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows Mr. J Street. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very similar brand. I mean, like I said something in a meeting, the elders pulled my coattail, so I made a phone call to the person that I said it about, and she was like, "Well, <laughs> you know, because everyone knows what it is." I think, I think what it comes down to is whether or not you have the goodwill. If people know that, like, when you say something that might hurt their feelings, it happens to actually be true, <laughs> <laughs> you know, folks aren't going to hold it against you as much. And I think that's something that, like, we learned from the older generation. And so I don't really hold it against them as much as it is problematic. The older generation was like, well, I can't make people mad. And, like, we learned from those that would make people mad and still got things done that, there is a way to tell the truth and to speak truth to power. And so, yes, I can have those meetings behind the scenes. I have folks that are upset with me right now because they have all these ideas about how I should run my campaign. Case in point, um, I am not taking donations from anyone in the community because inflation is at something like 7%. And to your point, you know, I make, it, I make the point about kids, you said about the $70, but I'm like $5 is not five dollars because inflation is seven percent but yeah but fifteen dollars is the kids is the kids spending money on the summer camp trip and the kid not having that fifteen dollars enough times is how the drug dealer can get their ear and so i want mom to give that kid the fifteen dollars i didn't made a little bit of money you know i got some settlement cash stashed away i can fund my own campaign so i'm going to do that with the same token i'm not going to have fun i'm not going to have uh the unions and anybody else telling me how I can uh, how I can represent my community because they gave me six hundred dollars when I was running. Right. So I'm about eleven thousand dollars in of my own money, wow. and like I'm knocking on doors, tearing my knees up and whatnot. But it's it's for a good cause. So when you have that integrity and people know where you're coming from, you can say and do what you need to do. You know, I, I don't know if it's true or not, uh, and, and I read the Bible as much as I do the Quran or the Torah or any other book, but there's a phrase in there that says, of whom much is given, much is, much required. is required. 
And so when we put the work in and beat the streets and do whatever it is, whatever career, you know, yours politician, mine is a journalist and right. an advocate. So when you put that work in, even if the people don't vote you into Stephanie's seat, they will remember you. Even if I never become Oprah Winfrey right. in my career as a journalist, I never become Oprah Winfrey. People will remember the work that I've done, the advocacy that I've done. People will remember your advocacy work as a politician or as the one who would become politician. If you don't make this one, you might make next one. I don't even know if I'm going to do it again. Like Honestly, this is about the exigency of this moment. But I also want to you know, say like it's not so much... To me, I'll put it this way. I hope kids remember and say, yo, I'm going to pay it forward like he like he tried to. That's all it's about. Um, I, I was talking to Dubard when I first came back home. Dubard McGriff. Ah, uh, yes, our ACLU champion. Yeah, I was. I um, I, I used to teach in the, uh, the 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 Urban League's Jim, James Gilliam Fellow Program. And, um, you know, I got to know Dubart through that program, and he was doing some stuff um, through the ACLU, and so I was talking to him when I got back, and I told him, I said, yo, I'm looking back now and realizing how certain people in the black community, and this, like, I call, I call this liberal poisoning, because, like, this is not something that I've ever known black folks to do of, them own, of their own accord. But I said, I look back and realize how, like, there were certain black folks that thought they were better than other people and then treated certain kids better than other kids. And I was one of those kids that got treated better than other kids. And so now in my adulthood, like I told a brother last night, I don't have a problem spending the money or being out in the heat because at a certain level, I got what I got at the expense of my brothers and sisters. Were right. it not... Were it not for this disparate treatment, I would be where some of these folks are. And so, like, it's it's only right to give it back. Yes. And, like, we need yes. to understand that if we all don't don't rise together, none of us really make it. Because I've been in these sort of rarefied places yes. by myself. It It's nice if you, it's nice to put on social media, but, like, when you're there... It's a it's a horrible horrible man. Feeling. Stuff is real. Yeah. This stuff is real. This is not a joke. Lives are literally at stake. Yeah. And one thing I took away uh, as we as we begin to close the interview, one thing that I took away uh, from uh, Kamala Harris at the NAACP 113th uh, anniversary, 113 year anniversary. She said, watch this election closely. Yes. This one is very important. Not to yes. say all of the ones coming won't be important, not the ones, you know, behind us are. But this one is very important because of today's climate, because of what's going on. If we don't vote in the right legislators, right. it doesn't matter who the president of the United States is by that time. If we don't vote the right legislators at the, in, at the local levels, because they're the ones who take it up the ladder to Congress, the federal government, right. and then up to the president. So if we vote the wrong folks in down here, it's going to trickle upward, literally, like poop runs uphill on this case. Well, <laughs> I, like, you know, the old word, yeah, shit runs yeah. downhill. So this it's very important. Truly, truly. I mean, I, I guess I would close with this, right, because I'm an economist. And I always make this example. 
You got the mayor down here like, yeah, he side pride while he's pushing gentrification. Meanwhile, he's supposed to be great and mighty and know all these things and our older black leaders are falling in line behind him while he's creating while he's creating inflation on Market Street. I read a study that said that meat, animal proteins that you get at the supermarket are 27% more expensive than they were last year. There, with the facades and fixtures I was talking about, when they jack those rent prices up, they also do it to businesses. The businesses don't just say, oh, well, more overhead. They charge you more money. Yes. And since all of this stuff is connected, it's connected to Justice and Landing, where our one supermarket is, because Wilmington is a food desert. That that adds to inflation another, like, 3 to 5%. From, so now you're going from 27% more expensive to something like, 30, 32% more And expensive. it's always us, the consumers, that, that get hit with it, that pay the price. And our, our youth and our elders are the most vulnerable, and that's why I always say they are our key constituencies. And, like, I'm equipped to stand up and say, no, that doesn't make sense. I got a call this morning. I'm going to have to go up outside of the district to the Lee Boulevard Apartments. An 80-year-old man is facing a $400 rent increase because... Whoever runs that up there is saying, oh, well, you know, we have moratoriums during COVID and this, that, and the third. I stopped Bacini Pollen from increasing my rent by asking a simple question. What did you build, actually, in this period of, this two-year period of economic stagnation that justifies increasing my rent? I lived down here before, and you, you increased it 15 or $20. And so, like, if that's the case... Justified. They sent it to the regional office and stopped it. And if the justification for the gentleman in Lee Boulevard's office is, well, like air, a like area and like prices, then I would say to them, all right, so a high increase would be $20. But $400? $400 is double that. Double, triple that. Well, it's a, it's a, it's an 1,000% increase on what double a high increase would be and you need legislators who can have these arguments and aren't bought and sold or painted into a corner such that they're afraid to stand up and say it they have to know to say it they have to recognize when it's time to say it and they have to be empowered to say it i am all three of those things and that's why i'm running against representative Bolden. And I'm going to close with that and leave that with my audience. I can't thank you enough. We've got so much more to talk about. I have a thousand oh, more sure. questions. Anytime. So we're going to get you back here Anytime. at the station to talk with us a little more. But I know you're out canvassing. Yeah. And I'm going to uh, get ready to finish up the, the show. So, but anytime, like win, yes. or, win or lose. Because like you, like you said, what you're doing is really important educating folks. If we could just get our folks the baseline sort of economic education that they need or, you know, economic sort of like back of the envelope things so that when it comes time to renegotiate your rent, when it comes time to negotiate a house price, when you go to the bank that you cash your check at and put your money in that they lend out to other people and then tell you that they won't they won't give you a loan or even a collateral loan, you know that something's up with that. We, yes. we, we need to have these conversations, win or lose. Yes, the people need to be informed. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay with us because we're definitely going to have uh, James Taylor come back. 
If you are a voter, if you are a qualified, eligible voter, we ask that you vote intelligently. Please, please look up on the Delaware Department of Elections. You will see all of the candidates there. Um, <clears throat> make sure you do the research before you push the button, pull the lever, or mail that envelope. Make sure that you've done your research and you're making an intelligent decision on who you're going to vote we for. We have same-day voter registration. So, like, you don't even have to go through this stuff anymore. If you have an ID and you know where you're supposed to vote, go there on the day of. Because, like you said, it's really important. This one's we, important. We are, on, we, are on the, we are on the edge of the cliff right now. So, like, it's huge. But let me go on and, and okay. get out of here. And get your canvas thanks, on. Yes, thanks Good again. luck. And thank you for joining us, James. We really appreciate it. And I'll see you when you come back. Y'all take it easy. All right, now. You're listening to WHGE 95.3 FM, your one and only black-owned, black-operated news information and advocacy station in the state of Delaware, bringing you news and information that is beneficial and helpful for your life uh, and resources that are going to help benefit you. So remember here, the Eastside Pride Help Desk at 900 Pine Street, that is the address, to the radio station uh, and the help desk here at WHGE. Uh, and that is open every Wednesday from 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. Come in, ask for our help, and let's see what we can do to be a resource for you. Also, if you're dealing with any type of or form of addiction, please consider the Central Baptist Church, Eastside Pride Central Baptist Church, where we help people with addiction to recover. And also, uh, I want to share with you some information that I personally came along, uh, came upon today. I was doing something else, and I ran into a really amazing uh, woman uh, from the Zenith Maycom, Maycom, if I'm saying that correctly, and I do pray that I am, uh, they are hiring. They are hiring returning citizens. They are hiring returning citizens. So I really want you to please, uh, they're having open house every Tuesday and Wednesday from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m., 400 Lukens Drive, Newcastle, Delaware, 400 Lukens, L-U-K-E-N-S, L-U-K-E-N-S, Lukens Drive in Newcastle for open house on-the-spot interviews, particularly interested in our returning citizens. You know that's a big thing for me, ladies and gentlemen. If, you, if you've been with me for any length of time, you know that's a big one for me uh, to get our returning citizens employed. So please pass the word, share the information. 400 Lukens Drive, Maycom is hiring for assembly and production workers really interested in our returning citizens, want to give them an opportunity to stand up strong on their feet. Uh, in closing, I've got to say, you know, I'm going to end with this. Pete Schwartzkopf, Speaker of the House, says this is a political theater. This is not about justice. And that is the exact reason if I had any say in anything, I would vote personally. And you can make your own decision. But Rochelle Wilson would vote for Melissa Minor Brown, Mimi. 
to become the new Delaware General Assembly Speaker of the House. If there's anybody out there who agrees with me for that, let's try to push that agenda uh, for Mimi, Melissa Minor Brown, to become the new Speaker of the House and ask Pete Schwartzkopf to please have a seat. And it's not about justice. It's about a political theater. Those are his words exactly. Let's hold him to that. So if it's all about a political theater and it's not about justice, uh, then, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, ladies and gentlemen. That's my two cents on that. Uh, and moving right along to my final segment, I have to say, uh, I think it's important to say, uh, where's my paper? Well, that's not what I think it's important to say, but I want to say, in 1790, 1790, the Congress, once the Constitution was ratified, the very first law that Congress made was called the Naturalization Law, which gave white people and all white citizens, immigrants citizenship. It automatically allowed people to become citizens of America. It excluded all of our indigenous, Native American, black people that were already here and that were brought here from another continent. It excluded them from becoming natural citizens. So the homework assignment for all of us is to find out at what time, what year, did Congress change that, saying that indigenous people upon the American lands, the Native Americans and the African Americans that were brought here to serve in, down south after the Constitution, when did they change that and say that we're allowed to be natural citizens? 1790. Naturalization, the very first law of Congress. The very first law of Congress. And I want to say thank you to Timeless Thomas for that piece of information. He sent me that piece of information, and I'm so thankful that I was able to do the research on it. Uh, so the homework is to find out when did they change that? Because if you and I are now uh, brown people, uh, brown-hued people, and we're we are calling ourselves citizens, natural citizens of America, let's make sure that constitutionally we know what we're talking about. All right? So that's our homework assignment until we meet again next Wednesday right here at the radio station, right here on the airwaves, Rochelle Wilson for the Political Power Hour, a subsidiary of Make Some Intelligent Noise, the movement for justice. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you being here again. A great and resounding thank you to Mr. James Taylor, who is vying for the seat of Miss Stephanie Bolden. And it's, we love Stephanie very much, uh, but you've got to make a decision of who's going to be the representative for that particular district. Until we meet again next time, ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can always get to any of your pharmacies, your community centers. They will all tell you where to get the COVID inoculation if that is something you're interested in doing. We want you to be safe and healthy, so give that some research and some consideration as you move forward 
for the COVID-19 shots or boosters vaccinations. I'm Rochelle Wilson. I love you. Be good to yourselves, but be good to other people. Karma is real. Peace and grace, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we did it again. I hope that today's program brought you some information and something to think about uh, as we move forward on the political campaign, this journey all the way to the presidency. But right now, we're, uh, we're approaching the primaries, and so we've got to make a decision of who we're going to vote for. Let's do the research and make that intelligent decision as we push the button, pull the lever, and mail in those ballots. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Rochelle Wilson. Peace and grace.